Welcome to Top Gangry with Coon and Eldridge. On today's show, we'll get you ready for actual basketball. The Shockers will hit the hardwood this week for three games in the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic. We'll break down what we expect from the Shockers and the teams they'll be seeing in South Dakota right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. This past Friday, Taylor had the opportunity to speak with interim head coach Isaac Brown. He also met with the media that day. As always, has had great coverage at Kansas.com. Taylor, just give us a few bullet points from your discussion with Coach IB and maybe if there's anything that didn't make your article that you think would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the biggest thing was uh, that, that Coach IB said was that, you know, it's not about him. You know, it's not about, you know, Coach Isaac Brown. It's about, you know, these Wichita State players who have, you know, all stuck around. And obviously it's been a really difficult time for uh, everyone in the Wichita State basketball program, you know, the last few months. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, for these players, it's a little unfair because obviously they weren't involved in any of this stuff. You know, they signed up to play for Coach Marshall and then all this stuff, you know, from five years ago comes back up and ultimately leads to Coach Marshall resigning and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been a tough situation for everyone involved. But, you know, the biggest thing that, that IB stressed was that this team is still, you know, all in. They're, they're bought into Wichita State basketball. And I think that's the, the big reason why, you know, Isaac Brown is the head coach is because, you know, players love playing for him. Uh, players are bought in to, you know, Coach Isaac Brown. They, they're, they love the way that he, you know, he, he's just kind of been that, that good guy in their corner over these past few years. And obviously that's going to, you know, probably change a little bit, you know, when he moves up as head coach, he can't be, you know, that, that support system, a hundred, you know, 24 seven, like he has been as an assistant coach, he's going to have to make some tough decisions. And I think that's going to change a little bit, but I mean, I think players just regard him very, very highly and they really, really want to play for him. So that was the biggest thing coming away was just that, you know, the players are, are still committed. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's going to try to lead these guys. And like I said, you know, before, you know, Wichita State believes they can be an NCAA tournament team. You know, if things break the, the right way for them this season, they really, really feel like they can be competitive. So that's going to be the biggest challenge for IB is just, you know, try to block out all these distractions that are going on in the world, you know, with the, the investigation, Coach Marshall resignation, COVID, all this crazy stuff that's happening. They're going to try to block all that out and just play basketball. And, you know, when you look at it just as a, you know, on, on paper, Wichita State, they do have a chance to be a pretty good basketball team this year. We talked a little bit about this on the show last week, but talk about from your discussion with Coach Brown or anything that he shared through the media, maybe the differences we might see in, in how he runs the program and also how the play looks like out on the court. Yeah, he said he's. It, there's not going to be a big difference. I mean, the way that he explained it to us is that, you know, Wichita State, you know, Coach Marshall has a very, very good blueprint, and, you know, one that's obviously led to a lot of success over the last decade plus here. And he's not going to, you know, come in and revolutionize anything or, or make huge adjustments. And, and, you know, why would you? I mean, they have a pretty good formula right now for winning basketball games. So I think you're going to see a lot of the same stuff that Coach Marshall did, uh, you know, defense, 
rebounding, playing hard. I think the biggest difference might be just a little, a slight uptick in the the tempo. I think everyone I've talked to has said that Coach IB loves to play fast. He loves to let athletes be athletes. And, you know, if there's one word to describe, you know, the biggest difference from this year's roster compared to last year is it's more athletic. And I think uh, that's that's good news for, I think WSU has the right roster to play that style, that style, you know, maybe press a little bit more than they've had in the, in the past and play a little faster on offense, maybe a little more free flowing. I think, uh, under Marshall, they, they were, you know, they, uh, they were definitely dedicated to running a lot of, you know, half court sets. And, you know, if one thing didn't work out, then they're, you know, Marshall is calling plays from the sideline. Talking to former players, uh, they think the biggest difference is that IB is going to let these guys have a little more freedom in going out there and just, you know, hooping and, you know, playing a free-flowing style. And, you know, if uh, if you can take your man off the dribble, go for it. And, you know, if you, you know, if there's a backdoor cut available, go for it. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. You know, um, Isaac said that, you know, not much is going to change with, as far as the sets. And as far as, you know, rebounding, defense, all that stuff goes. But I think that would, I mean, obviously he's not going to say uh, much before they start playing games. But I think that's that's going to be the biggest tweak uh, to the Wichita State basketball under Coach Isaac Brown is is a, a slight uptick in tempo, maybe a little more defensive pressure. And I think you're going to see WSU just get after it a little bit more in, in terms of just, you know, ratcheting up the, the intensity uh, of of the defense and you know pressing a little bit more and maybe causing a little bit more havoc. This is a fairly unknown Shocker roster right now. Excited to see him hit the court this week. I think we all have expectations for Dexter, for Tyson, for Trey Wade, Altariq Gilbert. You had a great story on Kansas.com today about him and how he's maybe the first natural point guard since Fred Van Fleet in the Shocker program. But in your discussion with Coach Brown, maybe point out uh, a few uh, players that have kind of risen to the top or improved their games over the course of the summer heading into the season here. And maybe talk a little bit about some of these unknown guys and, and our opportunity to get to see them for the first time in a Shocker uniform this week. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's a lot of the usual suspects. I mean, pretty much all the returners were, were guys that he listed as, as people who have you know taken on more of a, a leadership role, uh, really advanced their games this summer. You know, Tyson Etienne, Dexter Dennis, those are the two big ones, uh, guys that have really stepped up as vocal leaders for the team. And, you know, those are guys that, that had really good flashes last year. The the big the the way they can take their game from good to great is being consistently good. I think you saw both of those guys kind of you know uh, come in and out uh, of during the season, and and that's to be I mean to be expected. I mean they're both young players; they were both freshmen and sophomore respectively last year. So you know they're going to be looking for more consistently good performances this season. And everyone I've talked to has said that both of those guys have just been in the gym all summer working on their handle, you know, working on uh, improving their their uh, shooting off the dribble, finishing off the dribble, not just being, you know, they don't want to be stuck as just labeled as, you know, spot-up shooters, you know, catch-and-shoot guys who just stand in the corners and just fire threes. They want to be more than that. They want to be overall complete players. And I think that's the, the you know, the key to Wichita State's offense leveling up is if those guys can, you know, improve as, as creators and off the ball, you know, uh, generating good shots, not just for themselves, but for other players. And uh, obviously Trey Wade, 
I've been hearing good things about him. You know, you've seen so many JUCO guys take the leap after that first season in the program to the, having a, a big senior year. I think he's following along in those footsteps. Uh, Mo Udeze, I mean, this guy, every video I see of him, he's in the gym shooting and not just shooting, you know, mid-range jumpers. I mean, he's out there at the three-point line shooting threes and you know, that, that's going to be uh, definitely an interesting process to see if he gets the green light to shoot those in games. But, I mean, everyone I've talked to has said that he has put in so much time on his shot and has really, really improved. So I guess that's just going to be a wait and see uh, how that goes. And obviously Isaiah Portbear Chandler, another guy that's returning for his junior year, he's going to be, you know, splitting time with Mo at center. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit lighter, a little bit more springy. Uh, the the shots starting to fall down more for him, so uh, that's going to be uh, the the biggest thing with Mo and Poor Bear is going to be you know foul trouble on defense. You know they they struggled so much last year just uh, you know playing defense without fouling. Both of those guys were pretty much in constant foul trouble. I mean every time they they came in, so that's going to be the biggest key. You know in replacing Jaime Echenique at center is just making sure those guys can stay on the court. And then Altreet Gilbert, as you mentioned, you know he's he's going to be the biggest. Uh, he's going to make the biggest impact for any newcomer, just because he's the you know the the oldest. You know, four years of college basketball experience at UConn uh, had a had a really good year last year as UConn's point guard, and he's going to be asked to do even more for Wichita State this year. And as you mentioned, I wrote that story on Kansas.com on Monday morning about how he could unlock Wichita State's offense, but because he is a guy that can absolutely beat his guy off the dribble. And when you collapse defenses, you know, that's going to open up those kickout opportunities for Tyson Etienne, for Dexter Dennis. And I was like watching film and they didn't really get a lot of just, you know, wide open kickout looks last year because a lot of WSU's guards, you know, could not beat their guy one-on-one off the dribble and, and create those, you know, um, help opportunities. So, I think the the quality of shots are, are really going to improve for Tyson and Dexter because of Altreet Gilbert, and I think you could see his assist total, you know, go to five plus, and that would be the first time I think since uh, Fred was a senior um, for for someone to average that many assists. So we'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, but that those are the reports I'm kind of hearing out out of practices so far. I think we know one through four who the starters are going to be, but. Uh, as you talked about with Coach Brown, there's kind of a three-headed monster there at the five position trying to replace Echenique and, and all of his production from last season. So who do you see? I, I don't know if who starts this first game is the most important, but who do you really see kind of taking the lead there? Or will it be more of just, you know, whoever's hot or whoever's not in foul trouble at the time? Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the case. But I think Mo Udeze is going to get the first shot at, at being the starting center. I mean, everything I've heard about him has been trending in the right direction. So, uh, you know, he's a, he's a big body, plays bigger than he is. You know, he's only like 6'8", uh, but he's, uh, you know, got a big, sturdy frame and, uh, you know, fairly athletic for his size. So I think he's going to get the, the first opportunity to really showcase how much of a leap he's taken from last season to this year. And then, like you said, you know, Isaiah Portbear Chandler is going to probably be the first one off the bench. And then uh, Joseph Abelau, uh, the, the 6'10 redshirt freshman, you know, there's been so much hype on this guy. I mean, I've heard so many good things from, uh, you know, w- people around the program about his potential. But, you know, he's just been banged up, you know, every, I mean, both years he's been at Wichita State, you know, redshirting last year just because of 
know, all sorts of different injuries. And then this year, again, you know, just had a lingering uh, leg injury that, that, that kept him out for a lot of the summer. And I, I'm hearing that he's, he's practicing now, but you know, that, that kind of just sets you back, uh, you know, when you can't practice in the summer when everyone else is getting better. So, um, but, you know, he's got some, you know, freak athleticism, can do things that, that the other centers can't in terms of, you know, rim protection and, you know, passing. And, and I mean, he kind of, he has some, you know, wing uh, skills. So it'll be very interesting to see him out there playing for Wichita State for the first time. But I think they're going to ease him into the rotation. So I wouldn't expect more than, you know, 10, 10, 12 minutes per game with the other 30 minutes going to, you know, Udeze and Porbert Chandler, whoever's playing better at the time. We've already talked about Altariq Gilbert and the impact he'll have at the point guard position. Maybe what are one or two other newcomers that you really think could have an impact this season from the Shocker roster? Yeah, I think you're going to see all three of the Juco guys really contribute, especially early on, just because they're, you know, they have more experience over the three talented freshmen. I know WSU is really high on all three of those freshmen. Uh, I would say Ricky Council is probably the the one closest to contributing right away. But I think you're going to see a lot of the JUCO guys contribute. And Craig Porter is one that I've had my eye on. Uh, you know, since he signed, he's just put up some ungodly numbers on the defensive end. You know, for a you know six two six three guard. Uh, he was like averaging more than two blocks per game and uh, more. I think he was uh, more than two steals per game, too. So uh, he's just a, a defensive maven and just really gets after it on the defensive end. A smooth offensive player, you know, isn't going to do anything that's, you know, crazy or make you go, wow, but he's just smooth and consistent, uh, can shoot it from the outside. Going to be a reliable player, I think, for WSU and can play, you know, the one, two, and uh, Coach IB said that he can even go up to the three. So I think he's going to see a lot of playing time this season. Uh, you know, he's probably going to be the first one off the bench, if I had to guess, uh, for WSU, uh, just to, to be able uh, to be a backup at the one, two, and three. And then uh, Clarence Jackson's one that, you know, every time I ask for updates from, you know, people around the program, he's one of the ones that, that gets brought up a lot. Is just He's just, uh, you know, crazy amount of, of energy, a lot of people have compared him to Rashard Kelly, kind of a, a younger version of Rashard, with a little bit better, uh, you know, offensive shot. Uh, I don't think he's going to come in and you know just start stroking threes right away, but he he does have you know the ability to knock down a, an occasional three, and then he just gets after it on the, the the offensive and defensive glass. He's so hard to box out. Just brings a lot of energy, and that's the thing. That's the word that coach. Uh, Isaac Brown kept using was just the energy that the JUCOs have brought to the WSU's practice. It's raised the energy level for the whole team, and they kind of set the tempo in practice. You know, guys like Craig Porter and Clarence Jackson just getting after it, and then Trevin Wade is another just a, a bundle of energy. Uh, you know, he's he's pretty tiny, five ten, but he can jump out of the gym and is just he just gets after it on the defensive end. I think he can be uh, a guy that can come in for short bursts and just really get after the other team's point guard and get under their skin. I think he's going to frustrate a lot of uh, opposing guards this season. Uh, remains to be seen, you know, what he can offer on the offensive end. But, you know, everyone I've talked to said this guy can absolutely D up and, you know, really get maybe like a little Patrick Beverly type, uh, you know, if you want to go an NBA comparison. We didn't have the opportunity to talk about this last week on the season premiere, but the Shockers were picked to finish seventh out of now 11 teams in the American Athletic Conference. Also, the AAC will have a 20-game round-robin schedule, so this year they play everyone 
at home and on the road kind of brings you back to the Missouri Valley days there. So uh, first off, just kind of what were your thoughts on them being picked seven? And then another announcement that came out in between our last show and now is that there won't be any fans allowed inside of Coke Arena, at least through the end of this year. What impact do you think playing in a empty arena will have on this team that sometimes is able to play off the emotion, particularly of a packed Charles Coke Arena? Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's a that's a great question. I mean, uh, empty stadiums probably don't affect a lot of the Power Five conference teams, you know, especially you know in, in November and December because those fan bases are usually paying attention more to, to football at that point of, of the year. And you know, you think back to you know games at Oklahoma and Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma State the last few years, and I mean those arenas have been mostly empty because you know those are two football playing fan bases, so. Um, it, it doesn't affect everyone the same, and it definitely Wichita State probably is one of the most affected because, like you said, you know they get ten thousand plus every single game, and uh, for a young team that uh, can feed off the energy, that's definitely going to be you know a, an important factor that that you know WSU is not going to have that help this season, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can get fans back in the stands in January. I think it's only going to affect, I think only four games uh, in December. And then that order expires, uh, you know, December 31st, and then they're going to reevaluate. So hopefully, uh, I think the first game back for fans would be January against uh, Cincinnati. So that would be a heck of a, you know, a, a welcome back to the fans. You know, obviously Cincinnati's become one of the the more you know fierce AAC rivalries for WSU over the last few years. So that would be a fun game to have fans back in the stands, and hopefully we can just you know. Uh, avoid any kind of shutdown and, and just get to that point. I think that's what everyone's hoping for at this point. And as far as the seventh uh, place pick in the preseason poll, did you feel that was about right or, or any thoughts there? Yeah. And uh, that, I mean, I think a lot of the coaches were factoring in the, the, you know, the uncertainty around the coach Marshall situation and, you know, in a normal year, I think they probably get picked fifth or sixth, which, is right. I mean, I haven't done my deep dive yet because I've been so busy with, you know, this coaching stuff. But that's, you know, back when I did my last one uh, in the summer, that's right around where I had WSU pegged. It was, I think, fifth. So, uh, you know, seventh, you know, the middle of the pack in the AAC is going to be very, very good this year. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think there is a scenario where Wichita State, uh, you know, has a, a decent season, but they still finish seventh in the AAC just because, you know, the middle of the pack is going to be really, really tough this year. And uh, there's a lot of good teams, you know, uh, you know, teams like Tol- uh, Tulsa and Cincinnati are always up there. And Houston and Memphis are obviously going to be one, two in, in everybody's preseason polls. And then, you know, South Florida, SMU have everyone coming back. So UCF just got, you know, a couple of uh, big uh, transfer announcements. And uh, I think they could be competitive. So you know, the, the middle of the AAC is going to be very competitive, and I don't think it's, uh, you know, a stretch of the imagination to see Wichita State finishing seventh. I would, you know, if I had to, to bet, I would say they probably, uh, you know, if things break the right way for them, they will outper- outperform, um, you know, that preseason projection. But it just depends on, I think the X factor is going to be all Tariq Gilbert. You know, if he's lives up to the hype and is the point guard that WSU thinks it has, I think absolutely they finished better than seventh. You mentioned Tulsa. We saw Sterling Chapman commit to Tulsa this past week. 
Do you think that adds anything to the Havoc in the Heartland series here that he was, you know, scheduled to come to Wichita State? Obviously, he was recruited by SMU and Tulsa and ultimately decides to go play for Frank Haith down in Tulsa. Yeah, I mean, that could be a fun rivalry game. And obviously, Tulsa's gotten, uh, you know, very competitive. Uh, you know, obviously, last year they, they take a share of the AAC title. And, uh, you know, Frank Haith has, you know, always outperformed preseason projections at Tulsa. So, um, yeah, it's just fun to have a rivalry game. And then anytime you can throw in a local kid into the mix, I think that's going to make things even more entertaining. And uh, one thing I would point out about Sterling is that um, according to his father, they never got a letter letter of intent sent over to them by Wichita State. Obviously, they were committed uh, you know, last Wednesday when the signing period started. And, I mean, they can't sign anything if they don't have a, you know, a, a letter of intent to sign. So, and who knows what was going on with WSU. Obviously, that was before Coach Marshall had resigned. So maybe, you know, no one in the program had the power to send over a letter of intent. And it was just, you know, kind of one of those crazy perfect storms uh, circumstances where there's just too much uncertainty at that moment. Uh, so, I mean, I don't blame uh, Sterling for, you know, he's got to do the best thing for him and his family because, uh, you know, you don't know who WSU's coach is going to be next year, you know, with uh, Isaac Brown getting the interim tag. So you don't know if a new coaching staff will come in and decide to move on from you, you know, after one year. So I think he, he had to do what was best for him. And uh, for, for him, that was uh, at Tulsa. And I think that's going to be a fun rivalry and add a little, you know, local spice to the mix, you know, going forward. So I think that'll just, you know, amp things up even more. I'll accept my biases on this, but I think Wichita State is still clearly a better program than Tulsa, but also understand where you're coming from. And, and certainly at the time, you have to make the best decision with the information that you have and and uh, what's in the best interest of your family. You mentioned not really being sure on a go-forward basis who the head coach of the Shocker program will be. You also had an opportunity to talk with athletic director Darren Boatwright, had the article that came out over the weekend. I believe the the real quote from that is really there's no winners in this situation, but maybe talk a little bit about uh, your discussion that you had with him and what the, the process will look like moving forward to find a full-time head coach for the Shockers. Yeah, I thought that was, uh, I agree, that was the quote that kind of stood out to me was that he said, you know, he just felt terrible for everyone involved and uh, that's not a process that he wanted to go through at all. So, um, you know, it was a really difficult decision and obviously he, he couldn't get into the specifics, anything regarding the investigation. Uh, but another interesting quote I thought was uh, when I asked him that, you know, some fans had pointed out that you know, if Coach Marshall, the, you know, the, the assumption is that he resigned because of, you know, these uh, these events that happened in 2015-16 and 2016-17 uh, with the physical abuse allegations, although it is important to note that, you know, Coach Marshall never admitted any wrongdoing. He denied those allegations the whole time. And in the resignation letter, he, you know, there's no admission of guilt anywhere. So, um, and then obviously in the contract, or the separation agreement they signed, you know, they said that, you know, no one, uh, there was no admission of guilt there. So, um, but anyway, so that you, but obviously the perception is that he resigned because of these things. And then you look at, you know, coach Isaac Brown, you know, he was an assistant coach for both, you know, on the team in both of those incidents. So some fans have raised the question of, you know, if you're going to force a head coach to resign over this, why are you promoting the, you know, assistant coach who, uh, you know, in theory, was there to to watch all these events, and 
Uh, and Darren said, you know, that's a, that's a natural question that, you know, I thought of myself and I had to talk to, you know, my peers at, at the university and uh, everyone in the administration and make sure they were good with it. And they said after, I mean, they, they just felt like it was the best uh, thing moving forward for the players, for the program to, to have Isaac Brown as the head coach. So um, I thought that was interesting that he addressed that. And obviously the other question would be, you know, if, if he knew about the allegations, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Boatwright, if he knew the, the allegations back in 2015, 16 and, and uh, going forward, I mean, obviously he was there in the athletic department. He wasn't yet the, the official athletic director, but uh, he was in the department at the time. And that's probably a question we might not, uh, you know, ever know the answer to because right now they've sealed the investigation and, uh, I can assure you, you know, the local media is going to do everything they can to, you know, unseal those, uh, unseal as much as we can and, and get some results on, you know, what led to that decision, what led to, you know, me, uh, re- meeting in the middle of, of that $7.75 million, uh, agreement that Coach Marshall uh, reached with the WSU. So uh, I think there are a lot of questions still out there. But, yeah, it was kind of interesting to, to kind of pick Darren's mind a little bit and, and get a few answers uh, on the record. I go back to what Matt Norlander said last week after the Greg Marshall resignation announcement. He said that Wichita State is a top 40 job in college basketball and they really should have their, you know, pick of a candidate whether it's Isaac Brown after a fantastic, you know, 2021 season or if it's another coach. It does sound like though that that will come after this year as far as the coaching search is concerned. Yeah, that's what he didn't, uh, you know, specify, you know, this is exactly when, you know, the coaching search is going to begin, but he definitely uh, hinted that uh, they would play it out this season with Isaac Brown and then, um, and then uh, they would, uh, you know, obviously open up that coaching search next spring and then have, you know, a full nationwide search. And uh, like you said, I mean, coach Brown, he said that he would be considered for the job moving forward. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, names that, that come up. You know, you saw Danny Manning's name get thrown out there uh, right away. Adrian Griffin was uh, made it very clear that he wanted or he was interested in the job. Uh, I mean, do you go down the Marshall tree? You know, Chris Jans is probably a, a phone call that a lot of people want to see. And then, uh, I mean, obviously Steve Forbes, I mean, he just took the job at Wake Forest. But you got to make that call. I mean, it's unlikely that he comes to Wichita State you know, after just one year at Wake Forest. But, I mean, that's a, that's a call that a lot of fans would at least want to be made to see, you know, if he has any interest in coming back to Wichita. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting candidates. It'll be interesting to see if they go down the Marshall coaching tree or if they try to hire, uh, you know, another, you know, kind of Greg Marshall up-and-coming mid-major coach or if they go, you know, someone with just Wichita ties, like, you know, an Adrian Griffin, someone like that who could, you know, from what I'm told, it has the stamp of approval from Fred Van Fleet. Uh, you know, obviously he's got the, um, you know, the NBA chops. Uh, it would be a question mark of, you know, how he could recruit in college, but I think his name would, would carry weight just because of what he's been able to do with the Raptors. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but everything I'm told is, yeah, they're going to wait until after this season to, to make that decision. 
I'm surprised you just said Danny Manning first because that's probably going to make some people mad. But yes, there are certainly lots of candidates out there that we can take well, a look saying, at. I was saying that as a joke. I mean, that was the first name that got mentioned, which I thought was a, a joke because everyone I've talked to said that's not the case at all. So I think <laughs> WSU fans can can rest assured that that's not going to happen. But I just thought it was funny that uh, his was like the first name that was thrown out there. It was like Thad Mata and then Danny Manning. It's like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> Another you know interesting piece of news is that Isaac Brown rounded out the Shocker coaching staff uh, here over the weekend, hiring Billy Kennedy, the former Texas A&M head coach, to be the third assistant. And I think it's a fantastic hire to be, you know, kind of with everything on fire and being this close to the season to go out and get someone with head coaching experience, someone that he has a lot of history and I assume a lot of trust with, who's been a mentor to him. I know you had the opportunity to talk with Coach Kennedy today and there will be a, a story forthcoming at Kansas.com. So just give me a little idea on your thoughts on the hire and and maybe what a coach uh, Kennedy can bring to the Shocker program. Yeah, it's really impressive, you know, on short notice to be able to get a, you know, an assistant coach that has, you know, two decades of Division One head coaching experience. Uh, you know, Billy Kennedy just coming off a stint at Texas A&M where he was the coach for, I think, seven or eight seasons. Um, they parted ways after the 2018-19 season. And uh, yeah, I just caught up with him today and asked, you know, what, he, what he'd been doing and um, he said the last 15 months he's worked as a NBA scout for the Brooklyn Nets. So he's still been able to, you know, travel around and attend college practices and, and see, you know, uh, still be involved somewhat in the game. But he told me he just really, really missed being around a team, being around players and coaches and just, you know, the camaraderie that, that comes with it. So he said that uh, IB hit him up on Saturday, asked him if he would be interested in coming and helping him. He said, absolutely, it's a no-brainer for me just because he missed it so much. And obviously, Wichita State's a great program. And he said uh, he, uh, he would love to, to help IB out. And uh, their relationship dates back you know, three decades, back when IB was a player. He was a, a highly touted prospect coming out of Mississippi. And uh, Kennedy was an assistant coach at Texas A&M and helped recruit Isaac uh, to Texas A&M. And he played there for one season, 1990-91. Averaged 12 points, was a really good player for them. So uh, ever since then, IB has said that he has kept in contact with uh, Coach Kennedy and he considers him one of his coaching mentors, you know, from the last 30 years. So uh, when he needed, you know, a coach uh, to come in on quick notice, he was, the you know, one of the first people he thought of and he reached out and it just happened real quick. And, you know, asked on Saturday, he said yes. And he came to Wichita on Sunday to sign the contract and, um, you know, on Monday, he watched the watch practice and hopped on a plane to South Dakota with them. So uh, he, he said that he's still learning, you know, the players' names and, and kind of the, the attributes and the traits of the players. He watched a lot of film and you know, obviously getting the crash course on WSU's playbook and all that stuff. But I think the biggest help that, that Kennedy provides is just, you know, having that experience as a head coach and, uh, you know, IB, uh, Lou Godino, Tyson Waterman, the three coaches that were on staff are all great assistant coaches, but they have no experience as a head coach. So having someone to, to lean on, uh, you know, obviously he's not going to have much experience with WSU's players, but he does have experience, you know, 20, 20 years of experience, you know, uh, as a Division One head coach. So I think that's going to be really helpful for IB this season just to have someone to lean on, 
to be able to ask questions and and say, hey, what would you do in this situation, uh, et cetera. So I think that's where Kennedy is going to make his biggest impact this season. It's just being able to to be that sounding board for Coach uh, Coach Brown and uh, being someone that he can rely on and talk to and ask advice from from someone who's you know sat in that seat and, and dealt with that that pressure as a head coach. There's been so many storylines here with this Shocker program over the last few months. You know, it's been about eight months since they've played their last game, but it feels like about eight years. One thing we haven't discussed yet is we're about to start a college basketball season in the middle of a pandemic. We saw Baylor Scott Drew come down with it. We saw Tennessee's Rick Barnes come down with it. The uh, tournament bracket for the crossover classic seems to change about daily. And they talked about today, which is is Monday the 23rd, being one of the most anxious days for coaches across the country because this is kind of the last round of testing before they go into starting the season on Wednesday. So uh, I don't know if you've had too much of an opportunity to, to ask Wichita State, but with all the different COVID protocols, I think there'll be a lot of times this season we maybe preview a game that doesn't even end up happening due to different positive tests that we we've seen really across the sports world. So what, what kind of an impact do you think that will have this season as we get ready to finally get back on the court on Wednesday? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's going to have a huge, uh, a huge impact because I think that I'm, I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to, you know, if, if Wichita State is going to be able to play every single game on its schedule this season, I just think there's too many unknowns. Um, the vaccine is promising, you know, it's supposed to come here, you know, uh, sometime next month. And uh, maybe that is a game changer for college athletics, but we're just going to have to wait and see on that. Because um, as it stands right now, you know, if just one player gets it, I mean, you have to think that they're going to come into, co- uh, they had to come into close contact with, you know, a good part of the team. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys are going to have to sit out for close contact and, uh, you know, be in quarantine and that's just going to shut things down. So, I mean, it's just different from a football to a basketball team. You know, obviously football, you can afford, uh, you know, 15, 20 guys going out. But on a basketball team, you know, even if four guys go out, that's a third of your team right there. So um, it's just going to be a lot tougher for basketball. Um, But, yeah, everything I've been told is uh, WSU has dealt with its, you know, fair share of COVID issues uh, this summer and this fall. But as of right now, you know, they've uh, everyone has received a negative a negative test ahead of South Dakota, and they're they're planning on playing uh, on Wednesday. So uh, they're excited to, to have everyone on board. And uh, as far as I know, they'll have everyone available for them uh, Wednesday night when they open up against Utah State. You talk about that game on Wednesday night. It's the Bad Boy Mowers Crossover Classic, which was the battle for Atlantis. No trip to the Bahamas this year. They'll be playing at the Sanford Pentagon, which is where Wichita State took on Memphis a few years back there in South Dakota. The Shockers' first game will be Wednesday, the 23rd, or excuse me, the 25th at 8.30 p.m. The the broadcast will be on ESPN2, and they take on Utah State from the Mountain West Conference. Utah State, number 69 in the Ken Palm rankings to start the season. Wichita State, number 97 in the Ken Palm rankings to start the season. So actually, a uh, I guess an underdog here early. What do you think will uh, come of this first game against the Aggies? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really tough opponent. Obviously, when uh, uh, teams started dropping out of the, uh, the crossover classic because of you know COVID issues, 
Um, they lost a lot of big name programs and they replaced them with, you know, teams like Utah State and South Dakota State and um, and Western Kentucky. But these are really, really solid basketball teams. I think the the, the quality of play uh, is still going to be there. The, the chance that, you know, quality wins for Wichita State is still there. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe it, it could be a blessing in disguise for WSU because, you know, they they were going to have you know, a really, really tough schedule. I mean, there were a lot of really good teams in the crossover classic and for a young team like WSU with so much transition and uncertainty going into the season, uh, that, that would have been a really tough ask for them to go to South Dakota and come away with just one win because, you know, that, that original field was absolutely loaded. So, and it's still, you know, really, really talented, but I think WSU is on a more level playing field. Uh, they probably don't feel like they're, you know, uh, outmatched against any of these teams now. And, uh, you know, West Virginia is probably the the one team still in there that's going to have a you know a clear advantage in talent over you know anybody on this side of the bracket. But I feel like uh, you know Wichita State they're they're uh, you know hopeful that they can compete against anybody on this side. And uh, with Utah State, I mean, it's going to be kind of like West Virginia last year. I mean, they got really good big guys. They have a really talented seven footer coming back, and uh, they have a double double machine coming back at, at power forward. So this is going to be a big big game for you know Trey Wade for Mo Udeze for Isaiah Porter Chandler we're going to find out right away how good WSU is in the post and uh, it's going to be uh, up to them to defend those guys and stay out of foul trouble and um and then let WSU's guards go to work on offense I think that's where WSU is going to have the advantage because Utah State graduated pretty much all of their guards so it's, they're going to be kind of transitioning to new players there and uh, for WSU, that's going to be their strength. So that's going to be kind of a, a battle of wills there. It'll be interesting to see if, if you know, IB maybe throws a little bit of a, you know, full court pressure to, to stop Utah State from, you know, just walking it up and, and feeding it into the post and going to work down there. What kind of creative ways that they come up with uh, defending that seven footer down low. So uh, it's a really tough test for WSU, like you said, on Ken Palm, Utah State, you know, they're you uh, top 70 team. Uh, generally, they're they're finished uh, even higher than that, you know. So uh, I think they're going to be a very very good opponent for WSU, and it's going to come down to who can kind of you know impose their will, impose their strengths on the other team. And for WSU, that's going to be getting out and running and and using their advantage at the guard spots. As I mentioned, they play Utah State Wednesday night, eight thirty Central Time on ESPN two. If they win, they'll play at one thirty on Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. If they lose, they'll play at 6.30 on Thursday. And either way, they'll play either West Virginia or South Dakota State. West Virginia is Ken Palm ranked number eight. The Big 12 this year is just nuts. Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, lots of talent in that Big 12 this year. South Dakota State is ranked 98 in the preseason Ken Palm ranking, so kind of right in line with Wichita State. So you got to think either way, you're going to have a pretty quality opponent on that second day as well, and and hopefully another a chance to you know start building that NCAA tournament resume. Yeah, and uh, yeah, obviously if they re- if they meet West Virginia in the semifinals, uh, that that's going to be a really really tough task. You know, after uh, assuming if they beat Utah State, you know, and if they they're able to overcome that. Um, you know, that front court that uh, Utah State has, it's going to be even better with West Virginia. They have some of the best, maybe the best bigs in the country, as Wichita State found out last season, uh, you know, at their midseason tournament when West Virginia beat them uh, in the championship game, uh, 75-63. So 
Um, that was the game that WSU felt like it kind of got punked a little bit on the glass, and uh, and I think they would love a rematch with them, but that's going to be a really, really tough rematch. And like you said, South Dakota State, another really, really talented uh, mid-major team that, that could you know make a run at the NCAA tournament. So uh, either way, you're going to get a, a good chance at, at grabbing a, a pretty nice win you know, in the second game, regardless of the first game's result. I'm disappointed because Thursday, which is Turkey Day or dinner roll day in Taylor's world, was <laughs> when we were supposed to be playing Creighton. You know, we were supposed to be having that rivalry game come back. And I, I don't know what exactly, whether it's the protocols or what, but I think Creighton was just scared and went ahead and backed out so they wouldn't have to play the Shockers again uh, on that. So a little bit of a disappointment, although there are some other, uh, if you will, old friends uh, here in this tournament bracket. So on day three, they'll play either Memphis, which is in the AAC, St. Mary's, which is right in line with Wichita State as far as uh, level of program, Northern Iowa, old friend from the Missouri Valley, or Western Kentucky, who I believe was supposed to be on their non-conference schedule this year before all the changes happened due to COVID. So really all three days, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the Shockers should see a quality opponent. Yeah, I mean, this is still a great tournament. Like I said, maybe it, it lost a little luster with you know the name teams dropping out of the tournament, but this is still uh, a loaded field where Wichita State is going to get three good games no matter what. And uh, yeah, now the, the big news is that, you know, now that South Dakota is off the travel quarantine list for Kansas, they will not have to quarantine upon, you know, arrival back in Kansas after the tournament. So they're still going to be able to play all their non-con games. And uh, that's the biggest thing for WSU, just to be able to get as many games in as possible. And uh, yeah, hopefully they can get three good games in and then come back and, uh, yeah, open the season at home. Uh, I think it would be next Wednesday against Oral Roberts uh, with the home opener. Obviously no fans in the stands, but it'll be nice to see, you know, Shocker basketball at Coke Arena again. For many years under Coach Marshall, this team has been known for defense and rebounding. Do you think their identity changes at all? And what is the biggest keys to the Shockers having success over these next three days in South Dakota? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, I think the, de the the identity stays the same. Defense and rebounding wins games for Wichita State basketball, and I, I don't think they're going to stray away from that. I think they're still going to bring that 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 toughness uh, on on in both of those aspects, and you know they're going to make it a focus to to win the rebounding game, uh, rebounding battle every game, to win the defensive side of the ball. You know, every game, and Coach Brown said he wants to make teams uncomfortable. You know, he doesn't want them feeling like this is practice, you know, going against the, the scout team uh, like they do every day in practice. He wants to get teams, you know, out of their sets, make things uncomfortable, just don't make things easy for them on defense. So I think if WSU can, you know, uh, maintain that high level of defense that they've played over the years, they're going to be in, you know, a lot of these games and they're going to give themselves a chance, you know, if they play elite defense like they have, you know, the last few seasons they've really got back to that. Uh, you know, last season they finished top 10 in efficiency on defense in Ken Palm. I think it was number eight in the nation. So if they can, you know, keep it at that, uh, you know, keep it at an elite level like that, they're going to be in a lot of basketball games. And I don't think you're going to see anything, you know, uh, any kind of lapse in e either one of those uh, regards in, in terms of rebounding and defense. So I think you can expect a lot of the same there. And that's the, the key to this tournament is, you know, just, 
bringing it that consistent defensive effort, that focus on every defensive possession. And if they can hold teams down, uh, that's going to give them a lot of leeway in offense. And, you know, if shots aren't falling, that's the way you stay in games. So um, I think that's going to be the, the biggest key for them uh, this week is just, uh, you know, uh, delivering three straight great defensive performances and three straight good, great performances in the glass. Who do you think is the leading scorer for this team this season? I think uh, WSU is going to get back to kind of the that spread it out era. Uh, I mean, obviously we, the last few seasons you've seen, you know, McDuffie kind of uh, pop up and average a lot of points. But I think you're going to see another season where it's a lot of guys, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 points. Um, I would say Dexter Dennis is probably a, the one that a lot of people want to be the leading scorer if he can take that next step and become a consistent player and, you know, tack on three or four more points per game than what he has been averaging. I think that's what a lot of people want. Um, you know, Tyson Etienne is likely going to be up there too, just because of, you know, he shoots a lot of threes, uh, makes a lot of threes, and it just is a really good offensive player. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I could see both of those guys averaging 13, uh, 14 points. Um, you know, Altree Gilbert's probably going to be up there. Trey Wade is probably going to play a lot of minutes. So I think all four of those guys could be double digits. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting question. I think any of those four could lead the team in scoring. But I would not bet over, you know, probably 13 points. I think all those guys are right around the same range. From the returning players, who do you think makes the biggest jump this season as far as improvement? I think it's just going to be um, Mo Udeze just because of uh, opportunity. You know, the last two seasons we've seen flashes of him. You know, he's started a handful of games, but, you know, hasn't really ever gotten a chance to play, you know, 20 minutes consistently, you know, uh, over the course of a season. And I think uh, he's going to be the biggest one to make a jump. I think WSU fans are going to be impressed uh, and surprised by uh, the contributions he's going to be able to make this season. Um I don't know if he's going to be averaging, you know, like a double-double or anything like that, but maybe like, you know, seven, eight points, six, seven rebounds, something like that. Something that's real solid, and uh, they don't need him to be, you know, anything amazing. They just need him, him to be solid and be a great rebounder and be great at defense. So I think if he can fill that role, he's going to surprise a lot of Shocker fans because, you know, the last two years he's dealt with a lot of injuries and a lot of inconsistencies and uh, foul trouble, stuff like that, and uh, you know, free throw shooting problems. So, I mean, if he really has, you know, improved his shot, I think that's going to be the biggest surprise to Shocker fans this season. We didn't have a chance to do this on last week's show, but producer Brian, let's bring it back. Buy or sell time. It is good to be back and do buy or sell. So, this is the pandemic edition of buy or sell. So, really, what we're looking at is trying to get as many games in. I think when they were talking about the um, NCAA tournament, you were going to need to play something like 20 games. Am I remembering that right? I believe so. Confirm? So there's 20 games to be able to be eligible for the NCAA tournament. Does Wichita State play 20 games this season, buy or sell? Well, I was, uh, I was trying to look up because I think they got rid of that requirement. Uh, I'm not... 100% sure, but I believe that they were the NCAA removed that and they're just going to do mostly an eye test this year. But I would, man, I will. That's a great line. I think it's going to be right around there. I would, I would buy that they play just over, I think they play the 2021 20, games. So 
Um, I will buy it, but I, I think they definitely miss a few games this season. I'm also going to buy it, but for the reason that I think if COVID continues to spike and they continue to have issues with these teams that they're going to get rid of non-conference play and just have a conference season. There's even been talk about having conference-specific bubbles. I don't know how realistic that is, but I think the American will do everything in its power to to try and get as many of those conference games played. And because there's you know 10 other teams and you have the the round robin, that's 20 games for you right there. So even if they play these three games this week and nothing else but the conference season, I think they get to 20 games. All right, and we talked about Wichita State's seventh-place projection in the media. It's time to put put your name to it, Taylor. Does Wichita State beat that seventh-place projection? Actually, let's, let's start with Dustin. Dustin, you go first on this one. I think they will. I'll, I'll buy that, but I don't know how drastically. The, you know, I think fifth or sixth is about right. Um you know, there's been a lot of turnover with the roster. There's a lot of unknowns right now. So I'd love to give you an answer here in about three or four weeks. But at least right now, I, I will say they, they will. But but how much better than that they do, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me, you know, even like two weeks ago, I probably would have said um, sell. But f- from talking to a lot of the former players, uh, they, are all, they all have great things to say about Isaac Brown. And I've really you know, kind of been convinced that, that this was the perfect, you know, the making the best of a bad situation for Wichita State. And I think they could, uh, you know, realize that that potential that I thought that they had, you know, under Coach Marshall uh, earlier this summer. So I'm going to buy that. I think WSU can finish uh, higher than seventh. And I, I, I'm optimistic that Alterique Gilbert is going to be, you know, the X factor for WSU and he's going to really improve WSU's offense, which has really, really struggled since uh, you know 2018, uh, it's really plummeted the last two seasons. So I think he's going to be able to change that and get them back to at least uh, you know an average offense. And you know if they they maintain that elite level defense, you know you're looking at you know a yeah like a fourth, fifth, at least a sixth place team in the America. All right, and we don't normally talk NBA, but former Shocker Fred Van Vliet got his bag recently, $85 million over four years, which makes him that I found out that that is the most money that has ever been offered under a single contract to an undrafted player. So impressive for him. My question though, is Fred going to be able to turn around as a future leader of the Toronto Raptors and recruit a max player to join him, whether it's Giannis or somebody else. I know they want to get another big-time player in Toronto, but Van Vliet, the salesman, can he get that done? I'm going to sell that. I don't think that um, they're going to get another Kawhi. I think that was uh, – I mean, if you remember, he actually got traded, so it wasn't like he signed with Toronto. So I don't think uh, they're going to be able to sign uh, a max player uh, on a free agency contract. Uh, maybe someone gets traded there, but I don't think that they're going to, you know, sign someone in that upcoming, uh, you know, there's a lot of really, really good free agents coming up next summer. So I don't think that Toronto is going to be a player in that, but I think that they're, they're going to be, you know, a solid Eastern conference, you know, playoff team for, for years to come with Fred. 
Yeah, I'm going to sell that as well. Um, Fred was just down in Cabo, one of my, you know, second favorite spots. Uh, Cabo, Vegas, and Wichita are kind of my all my homes away from home. Uh, also, my day job is being a financial advisor, so if Freddie needs any help with that 85 million, I, I can get him my number. But uh, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm going to sell that. Uh, it's crazy. If I was an NFL player, I'd be thinking to myself, why the hell didn't I take up basketball? Because <laughs> these guys are just getting crazy money, and obviously it's a lot uh, easier on your body over time. I like Nick Nurse. I like uh, the atmosphere up there in Toronto. They're going to be playing their games in Tampa, Florida this year, which I think is BS. I wanted them in Kansas City at the T-Mobile Center, formerly the Sprint Center. My guy Patrick Mahomes was out there saying they should. Bill Self up at KU was saying they should. It would have been awesome having a an NBA team in Kansas City, but uh, I, I will sell that uh, they get a another Max guy. All right, and finally, last one. We saw the news that the NCAA tournament this year is going to be played at a single site. This would have been a year where Wichita hosted first and second round games. So my buy or sell is, does the NCAA make that up to Wichita and give them, I know they've already got another first and second round that they've been promised, but will they get another one beyond that just based on losing this one? I'll buy that, although I don't think it's going to be before 2025. That's when the NCAA tournament comes back next. Um, I think Wichita has established itself from that first NCAA tournament I had a couple years ago as it's in the rotation now. And as long as the facility and in Interest Bank Arena uh, is continue to be up to par, which it is, I think they're, you know, every three or four years, the NCAA tournament's going to be in Wichita. And hopefully we continue to make progress on our downtown. I don't know where everyone falls on this, but I'm ready to get Century 2 out of here about, you know, five years ago. So hopefully at, by the next time the NCAA tournament comes in, we've got downtown a little bit more figured out. But uh, I, I will say I, I think Wichita is just part of the rotation with Kansas City, Omaha, Tulsa, Des Moines, uh, and, and will continue to be in there for, for many years to come. Yeah, I'll agree with Dustin. I think it absolutely has uh, distinguished itself. You know, after that 2018 showing, uh, everyone I talked to from, you know, the Wichita State side uh, to the Wichita visit Wichita side, so even the NCAA side, you know, everyone said that they made a real impression with NCAA officials, and I think that's uh, that's going to uh, be in their favor going forward. And I think, uh, like Dustin said, you can expect Wichita uh, to host NCAA, you know, first and second round games pretty consistently. You know, like he said, every three, four, five years. So um, I I will definitely buy that, and I think Wichita has uh, definitely proven itself as as a great spot. Uh, you know, especially if you can send. You know, uh, you know, a, a team like KU or uh, some team in the Midwest here. I think uh, where a lot of fans can get to Wichita, it's a it's a great place to host the NCAA tournament. All right, well, appreciate that, producer Brian. We've had another great show to start the season. Excited to see some actual basketball here this week and. We'll, of course, next week be back with you to break down the games in South Dakota and uh, talk a little bit about more about this Shocker roster. I will say uh, Kellen Marshall, uh, son of Coach Greg Marshall, had a great thread on Twitter today, kind of reminiscing about their time in, in Wichita and, and how much their family uh, in, enjoyed Wichita, how proud he is of all of what they accomplished 
uh, over the last 13 years. And and so, you know, as we talked about with what uh, Boatwright said, it, it, there's not necessarily any winners in this, but it has been nice to, to kind of see the, the grace and everyone as far as uh, looking back on, on their time there. But we appreciate all our listeners. I had probably 10, 15 people reach out to me within the last week and say, boy, I'm, I'm just glad to have Talk Angry back. It's good to have something to listen. It's good to talk about Shocker basketball. We, of course, have Taylor and all his great coverage at Kansas.com and, and really enjoy this. Producer Brian is really the, the man that puts it all together and, and makes all this work. He does the real work, and we couldn't bring this to you each week without him and the Forge Audio Production Studios. He's also started the ICT Podcast Network for anyone that is interested in, in starting a podcast, either for your business or, or for whatever that might be. So we just appreciate all of our listeners. If you know other Shocker fans, be sure to, to tell them, hey, uh, how much you enjoy the podcast and uh, to give us a listen, give us a try. And, and we'll continue to uh, try and bring you great content all season. And Taylor, if you're going to rate this podcast, what do you got to do? Give us five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.